Hey, and welcome back for episode two of the Deep Like Leviathan podcast. I am your unworthy host, Evan Altman. Uh, I think if if we double the audience from last week, we'll have uh, the number of chambers in the Wu-Tang Clan's debut album, which I think is, is fitting for the show today because I, I do want to talk about some concerts. Have a little fun with that. Uh, I was I was actually thinking about this the other day. Uh, you know, a couple things actually combined to to kind of take me on this topic. So, uh, flying solo again today. Eventually, I will figure out how to bring someone else on board. Uh, I, I actually Googled today how to record audio. Uh, even though I have actually appeared on some podcasts, and I know what other people use to do it. Um, it it's oddly different when you're kind of the one controlling the the ones and twos. As I suppose it would call them, except in my case, it's just the the, the mouse pad that I work with my finger, right? Which uh, and which I don't do very well. Um, I think I have figured out how to add outro music, so that's going to be really cool. So both of you who actually make it to the end will see if that actually works this time around. But um, you know what I want to get into first, and and uh, I want to go through my my spoiler free review of Captain Marvel. Just got back from it earlier this evening and uh, and went to see it with my kids. So Thursday nights, my wife uh, teaches two online college courses. And so it basically occupies her time from uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon till about 9 o'clock at night. And so I have this block uh, that, that I can either, you know, just ignore my kids completely, or um, I can take them to a movie theater where I can essentially still ignore them, but while under the auspices of, of entertaining them at the same time, right? So, um, worked out really well. I, uh, I have this app on my phone and it's this, uh, like survey mini app, which is, it's cool. And, and I guess I'll give them a plug because, uh, you know, they don't pay me for this, but you get points, right. For, uh, for filling out these surveys. And, what's really kind of fun is like sometimes it'll trigger it's it's like geofenced right so it knows um just operates off your gps knows when you're close to, to certain places and so you know if you stop at a light long enough next to a gas station you might actually get a pop-up for a survey for that she could take it but i'm i'm honest when i when i should be and uh and tell them when i don't go there but it's a lot of restaurants you know arby's wendy's uh, it could be speedway gas stations uh, bp Kroger, places like that, right? And so you just give them a review uh, on certain things. And when you earn enough points, you can actually exchange them for gift cards. And it's legit, right? Like I got to 25,000 points. It's about 100 points a pop for these reviews. So I've been building it up forever. This is a $25 Regal Cinemas gift card. So I, I just, I got to that point. I redeem it. I click. And like two minutes later, I've got the email in there with the card. So I thought, this is cool. It's, it's perfect. So I went ahead and ordered the tickets online, knowing it would be busy. And, uh, and I actually only had to spend, uh, like nine bucks out of my own pocket, uh, which is kind of crazy. It's a $25 gift card. I still had to pay, I think nine fifty for three of us, but it's the reserved seats, right? They recline all that. So, uh, anyways, it was really cool, right? So I was glad I was able to take my daughter. Uh, she'll be 13 later this year. My son is 10. He'll be 11 this year. And we've been going to these movies ever since I've been taking them to the Marvel movies, ever since Avengers came out, the original Avengers. And, uh, and, and they were like four, five, five and three. They were not in, my daughter wasn't even in kindergarten yet. So they're both in the same preschool. And, and I remember, you know, kind of running this through with my wife and I forget she was out of town or something and I was picking the kids up and I'm thinking, okay, they're, they're five and three, right? Like who in their right mind does this? And it's a long movie. If you recall, like two and a half hours long, 
and we go to see it in 3D. Right, so uh, if you have kids that age, you've ever tried to take them to a movie theater, you realize what a, a just a, a blatant dumbass move that is, right? So, so anyway, I'm thinking, okay, maybe they can handle it. You know, if I got to take one for a pee break or whatever. So we get in there and we get the glasses, right? We sit down, and from the moment the trailers roll, and from the moment the movie starts, and it goes into 3D, really, neither of them moved. Neither of them spoke the entire time until the thing was done. And it was the coolest thing for me as a dad uh, to be there in the theater and, and to see the two of them just, I mean, I'd look over them and they just gate mouth, you know, staring at what was unfolding on the screen in front of them. And, and so, you know, my, my son is kind of more of my movie buddy because he he gets into this stuff maybe a little bit more than my daughter, although, you know, I took her to see Thor and uh, and distinctly remember six months later or, or however many months later, you know, we saw it one time in the theater and when it came out on DVD and I and I bought it or on Blu-ray, uh, she still remembered lines to the movie, right? And so it's the coolest thing for me and she'll kind of like play cool, like, oh, I don't, I don't really like those movies that much, <laughs> but we've gone to see all of them, Thor Ragnarok recently, Black Panther, um, you know, Endgame or not. Well, we will go see Endgame, um, Infinity War, you know, she, so she's seen all of those. And I asked her about it tonight. She's like, well, I kind of have to go see Endgame now because it's like reading the first two books in a trilogy, right? Because she's just a voracious reader. So she kind of thinks of things in that regard. But anyway, so Captain Marvel, ton of fun. Um, and that's, you know, the reviews out there and, and it, I don't want to condemn everyone. I think there's, it's too easy to say that everyone panning the movie is doing so because they're a misogynist. Um, although it kind of seems like you almost have to be because I'm, it's not perfect by any stretch. I, you know, no movie really is, but it, it was, it was fun. Right. But I guess my movie going experience and, and as you can tell, kind of the way I judge it is, you know, did I have fun for that time there? Did I, I didn't, I didn't look at my watch. I wasn't concerned about what time it was. And, and did my kids enjoy it? And they clearly did. And so to me, that that movie-going experience, I love going to the theater, as expensive as it is, because it's an escape. And and I, I just, I continue to kind of fall back into that that thought of being a little kid. Um, you know, back in the day, we used to, to use that kind of as an escape. And I distinctly remember, and I'm sure I went to movies before this, but the movie that I remember the most, and I'll, I'll get to this review maybe in a little bit, um, but really, I guess it's all kind of wrapped up in this whole thing, right? And uh, and I just love to talk, so here we go. Uh, but the movie that I can most remember, and it reminds me of that feeling I had when I took my kids to see Avengers, for me, that movie was Ghostbusters. And and my my parents had like seen it beforehand and vetted it, right? But it was a blockbuster movie, um, so everybody knew about it. And, and I remember for Christmas that year, we got uh, this Ghostbusters, like a picture book, right? Had the pictures of it, like the, when the librarian turns around, she's got the ghost face. And, uh, and, and I got a black Ghostbusters shirt with the, you know, the, the ghost logo. My brother got a white one and we were just, we were running around and I, and I so remember, you know, my parents taking us to see that movie. And of course, now I look back and I'm like, oh man, there's a lot I didn't get. But having that same sense of just being stuck in your chair, just glued to it and unable to move your mind from the screen, your eyes from the screen, be either way. And, and so that's kind of stuck with me is the ISIS theater 
in Winnemac, Indiana, which is where we went because that was closest to to my house growing up uh, in the town where I went to school and, and eventually grew up in North Judson. Uh, that did not have a theater. Winnemac did. And, and I, I think it's defunct now, probably long since. But, um, you know, and then I remember when my dad went back to college to get his teaching degree. He'd been a farmer. And when he went back, and this was, I think, during the years of maybe when I was between seven and ten, seven and nine, somewhere in there. And so there'd be these nights and he'd have these late classes and my mom would take us to go see movies. And I remember seeing like The Land Before Time and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. There were several others. Uh, I think The Santa Claus is one we went to see at one point. I remember my dad taking my brother and I to see Beetlejuice uh, at the conclusion of our, our basketball camp that summer. And so there's all these memories, you know, things that I can point out that uh that i again and that's kind of where my my love of just going to the theater or going to see jurassic park um things like that and, and being able to see and i think especially now with these movies that are out uh these marvel movies where they've done such a good job of translating these characters that you knew whether it was through the comic books whether it was through the cartoons that that came out or just kind of pop culture in general and seeing them translated onto the big screen in a way that doesn't feel uh, silly and, and fake. And, and, you know, you can really get back to, and for me, that was when I was a kid. And so I can feel like that again. I can take my kids, but really, really enjoyed this one. Um, and, and not just the idea of female empowerment, which it is, right? We're talking about a, a female lead character first for the MCU. Um but, but just this idea of, of anyone who's been told they can't do something and anyone who's been knocked down and getting up again and getting up again and, and kind of discovering who you are and and that your power doesn't come from what someone else gives you. It's yours and you own it. And you can do with it as much or as little as, as what you want. And, and it's when you kind of realize that when you realize that you own it is when you can really take advantage of that and really control that power that you have within you that all of us do. So I really loved it for that. Um, the, the opening sequence, if you're familiar with Marvel movies, you know, when they went to the Marvel studios and, uh, and there'd be the scene, you know, of kind of the, the comic book flipping through and they show the different scenes of different characters. And then as that evolved, they'd have the clips from the various movies and and in this one, it was all Stan Lee cameos uh, when they rolled that at the beginning. And 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 even I mean, it's it was just it was really it's just such a cool moment. And, and of course, he, he had a cameo in this one as well as he always as he always had. Um, assuming it's his last one, unless there was one somehow filmed for Endgame. But um, just a, a really cool moment to kind of start that off. Um the, the, the fact that it featured uh, prominently a cat, like an orange tabby cat, like the one we have at home. Uh, we've got a black cat named Ollie and an orange tabby named Sandberg. <laughs> my kids were all about that. My daughter was just loving that part. So it was just fun. And to see, you know, Nick Fury as a younger Samuel L. Jackson kind of looking younger. This movie takes place in the 90s. Great soundtrack. You know, you got some Nirvana in there. You've got No Doubt. You've got some Hole and uh, an REM, just lots of cool little ties. It didn't feel schlocky, like a 90s type period piece, but it, it hit the right notes there, and it tied together a few things in the MCU. To me, it sort of felt like, in the same way, Rogue One sort of uh, um, 
pointed out, you know, the one of the flaws that was there in the in the Star Wars movies, and people uh, kind of look at it that way, and well, that's really silly. What about this exhaust vent? And so you, you kind of get it explained that way. And this sort of does some things like that with the MCU, uh, where we've already seen the timeline jump around. So anyway, I would highly recommend that you go see it. I think anytime you have a blockbuster movie like this, it's going to get negative reviews. So I'm not going to condemn anyone who reviews it negatively as, as simply doing so because they're upset about it, kind of featuring this this woman with her powers. But at the same time, I find it really hard to understand why somebody would go see that and then just be upset about it. Again, I guess, you know, people have their certain formulas. And if you're a professional reviewer of movies, you have a higher standard for these things. I had fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. My kids did too. We were talking about it on the way home, and it was awesome. So there you go. So there's my review of that. Um, I am I'm actually a little parched right now. I am not going to have a beer this episode. The last one I had a dogfish head, 120 minute. Uh, I am I'm still in the process of drying out a little bit from my spring break trip or spring break spring training trip. And then I had a couple days in Vegas for a conference. So, uh, I am in need of a, of a couple days where I don't uh, punch my liver in a, in the dick. So we're not going to do that this time. But so there was, there was something this week that prompted me to start running through, uh, some of my favorite concert experiences. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the movie stuff that I was just talking about. But I had a buddy who texted me. I was actually at a, uh, I think it was at the Cubs White Sox game, and uh, and he sent me. So apparently the the Wu Tang Clan is headlining a concert at the was the the Ryman Opera House, right? Like the Grand Ole Opry, right in Nashville, like the Cathedral of Country Music, and the Wu Tang Clan is headlining. And so I'm like, dude, I'm there. We're we're going. I'm, I, I will do that. That is awesome. Until so I looked at the ticket prices, and the get in the door price is five hundred fifty dollars. And so, um, you know, as much as my wildly successful blog is getting, and until such time as this podcast gets more than eighteen listeners, and somebody actually wants to pay to advertise on it, I'm not really coming up with that kind of scratch. So I look at it though, and I'm like, well, if they're playing there, maybe they're playing other places. Well, lo and behold, on June 1st, which is the day before I turn 40, the Wu-Tang is playing the Aragon Brawl Room in Chicago, and the tickets are only 80 bucks. So I scored two tickets. Now, for me, um, and, and I immediately went out, and, and I, I got, got a little misty because I've never seen the Wu-Tang in concert. Uh, I've missed out on them every time for, for one reason or another. Things have come up. Uh, come up. Jeez. If I knew how, I would edit that out so I didn't sound like as big an idiot, but I don't. So we're just going to move on with it. So, uh, it, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to see him and, and things have conspired against me uh, to prevent me from that. So, you know, depending on how late the concert goes, I may turn 40 while watching the Wu-Tang Clan. And so that is awesome. So I'm really excited about that. Right. So that's coming up in a few months. But in the meantime, so I, there, there are a few things here that I kind of want to go through. And I thought, so I'm not a big concert guy. Like I, I enjoy music. I enjoy concerts every time I go to them, but I, I know some people have gone to see tons and tons of different concerts. Right. And I'm not really that guy, but I kind of pick and choose. So, um, I think the most recent one, it's gotta be the most recent, right? I went to see uh, Pearl jam in August play Wrigley field, which I was able to purchase because I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder with the Cubs and you get a, a season presale. Um, or, or uh, concert pre-sales, right? They come out, you get an email, you use code. And so I, I don't know what day it was. It was maybe a Friday, I think. 
And uh, and I get in like immediately when season ticket holders can get in there. Now they had a 10 club, which is the, the Pearl Jam club. They had an initial pre-sale. And so like all the field seats. So if you imagine Wrigley Field, the stage was set up uh, in the middle of center field uh, facing the grandstand, right? So there's nobody sitting in the bleachers. And they had uh, standing room, general admission in front of the stage. So immediately in front of the stage is uh, is the, the like where the best seats are. Right. And so then you then you go back from there and there's uh, there's like assigned seating throughout the infield. And then you've got seating throughout uh, the grandstands. And so obviously, you know, the the stuff in front of the stage is, is kind of the most coveted because you're right there. And so by the time I actually get I got in immediately right for the season tickets, like 10 o'clock in the morning, season ticket presale. And um, the best I can get is the 200 level, which is, you know, kind of in the lower the back lower level of of the grandstand those tickets are like a, a buck 25 a piece 125 bucks doesn't make any sense to say a buck 25 because that's a dollar 25 that's stupid and so i get four of them right i extend myself a little bit but i know i can easily find three other people to go with me to pearl jam right no big deal my brother-in-law is a big pearl jam fan my brother's a big cubs fan he likes pearl jam cool they'll go um no problem well time comes and, and they end up flaking out of me but i have a i have a buddy up there and um uh, my friend tommy Right. We become friends. He, he runs a, a parking deal for Cubs games and other events. And, and he, he's lived in the neighborhood his whole life, still lives there. And uh, and, and it started out just I was like, OK, cool. We got to know each other on Twitter. I was like, cool, I'll park with you. And then um, we developed a friendship. So I'll, I'll hang out at his house when I'm up there. We'll go to games together, um, been to a couple concerts. And so um, and, and he's just he's a great dude and he's he's into beer. So we swap beer. That sort of thing. So I'm like, well, I'm sure he'd like to go, right? So, you know, and I had asked Tommy if he wanted to, so that would have made four of my brother and my brother-in-law. Well, the two of them flake out, end up getting a couple of Tommy's buddies to buy the tickets. So we go up there. Um, we're pre-partying pre at his house, um, you know, drinking a ton of beer. We're grilling out. I'm feeling really good. I'm three sheets to the wind. And and we go walking in there. Now, he had told me the story a while back about his buddy who, uh, he, who he grew up with in the neighborhood who's been, you know, hustling tickets since he's like 12. And so, so that's, that's kind of, you know, this is like Chekhov's gun, right? Because that's, that's how this works. So we'll think about that, right? So I'm, I'm walking in, paying no attention to anything in the world. And, and we know they go on late, right? So I think this show was supposed to start at like seven or whatever. But now it's like seven fifteen, and, and we're just walking in. And of course, they're not going to start for a while yet. So I got my tickets, you know, and I'm, I'm about to walk through the metal detector. I hear Evan, I turn around and it's Tommy. He's like, get over here. Like, okay. And, uh, right. So I got my ticket in my hand and I'm, I'm cool. And the, and the guys, I actually, I think I had both of our tickets. And so is he introduced me to this guy. He said, Oh, my buddy. And I don't remember the guy's name, but anyway, he's like, where are your tickets? I said the like 200 level. He's like, give those to me. So I give them to him because of course you just give some stranger your tickets, right? That's normal. That's what you do at a, at a coveted concert like this. He takes them and just hands them to somebody. He's like, Oh, here, go take care of this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> now, you know, now I'm shit out of luck. I have no tickets um, to this this show that I've been looking forward to for the whole time. And I'm, and I'm too drunk to know any better. My head just kind of spinning. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, so the guy pulls over one of his other guys. He's like, hey, this is, my, this is my friend Tommy, my best friend. We grew up together. He's like a brother to me. You take care of him. And he just tells us, you follow this guy. <laughs> so, right, this is how things work. All right. This is, this is totally normal. You've taken my tickets away. Now you say, follow this guy. So, 
this dude and there's a couple other people there. And then I hear him say, and, and again, it's not fully registering because I, I don't really quite want to believe it. I hear him say to, to this, the, the ticket guy at a time, he's like, these seats are going for 1500 bucks right now. And I'm like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? So we follow the guy, right? We don't have tickets. We don't have anything. We go through the metal detectors, we follow through, we walk into just right under the marquee at, at Wrigley and we walk into the mezzanine and we walk up the steps. And, and before we go up the steps to the, to the field entrance, he just hands us, he's got the little sticky things, the wristband things, right? Puts them on us and just says, you know, keep on walking, uh, till you get to the dugout, go onto the field and hang a left and then just keep on going, keep holding your wrist up, showing the wristband. So he had gotten us the passes for the general admission field level right off the stage. And now at this point, you know, we had gotten there fairly late. So the other people are already crammed up in front of the stage. We'd like waited there forever. Right. But we're still like right out there. Like Chris Chelios is standing right behind me. Right. Hockey Hall of Famer. He's got the same tickets I do. And so we stand there and I'm like, holy shit, we're on the field for Pearl Jam. This is fucking amazing. Right. Pardon my French. I'm going to work a little more blue than I than I normally would. But I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm getting back into my drunk state. And, and at that point, you know. Uh, the lips are a little looser, right? So here we are, double show, uh, or double set. It's phenomenal. And, uh, and, and there's a great, you know, I got this, this really cool video of, uh, of Eddie Vedder came out kind of for the second part of the set, just by himself, uh, out on the stage on a, on a stool and he pulls out the guitar and he explains that, you know, Tom Petty, who, who had passed uh, recently at that point had given this to him and, and Eddie said he'd never played it uh, in a live show before. And so he proceeds to play just kind of a, you know, it wasn't necessarily acoustic, right? But but his own, just a solo version of Won't Back Down. And and he, but before he started, you know, he had everybody turn their cell phone lights on and hold them up. And uh, and so we're, we're there, again, it's in the middle of center field. And and I was able to, I only got like 30 seconds of video, but it's cool as he's, as he's doing it. And I panned across and seeing all those lights, like in the grandstands at Wrigley and, and on the, on the field and kind of coming back around just a really, really cool moment. So that was my Pearl Jam concert experience. I'm going to go through a few more, um, you know, again, feel free to fast forward through these. Uh, maybe some of this is boring. I promise you there'll be a couple funny parts in here. I, I swear there's at least one funny story. Um, but again, these, these are all things, uh, that, that I think all of us can sort of relate to. If it's whether it's music, whether it's movies, you know, or kind of whatever your jam is, right? Like I've gotten to see John Fogarty a couple times. Um, grew up as a huge Creedence Clearwater Revival fan because uh, we used to listen to that stuff all the time. Like my dad grew up with that music, right? And and I I will never forget, you know, this um, there was this commercial that used to run. You probably remember these like back in the day, especially like on WGN, right? Because we that's what we'd always watch. We'd come home at noon. My dad. Um, owned a landscaping lawn care company, right? So my brother and I would work for him during the summers and, um, we'd come home and the WGN, uh, midday news was on and we'd have a sandwich or whatever. And there'd always be these, you know, I mean, forever WGN was running these, these commercials for like, uh, the music collections, right? Like some kind of a greatest hits of the seventies or whatever. And they had one for like the Creedence Clearwater, uh, the Chronicle or whatever. And, uh, and so we would see that, we'd see that and, and so my brother and I, you know, we didn't really know, we, we had heard the songs before. It's just kind of like a lot of that stuff. You might not know who the band is, but you've heard that song. And, and I remember we started seeing this and, and all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, we, we know like all of these songs. We've heard these before. And, and so it was like, that'd be pretty cool. And, and I remember, you know, my dad said, if that's on one more time, if I see it again, I'm calling, we're going to order it. And, uh, and then we're like, it was on my dad, there it is. And so he goes and calls and however long it, it took, 
you know, a couple of weeks later. And, and I just remember, you know, it, it got there. We checked the mail, you know, and and put it in the CD player. And we came home for lunch. And we we're just jamming CCR. And, uh, you know, from that moment on, I mean, it's been one of my favorite bands. And I got to learn more about John Fogarty. I've read his autobiography, all these things. And so um, it was a couple of years ago on July 4th weekend. It was this awesome weekend for for like 60s music, 60s and 70s, right? The um, the Rolling Stones were playing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. John Fogarty was playing at the old National Center of the Marat here in Indianapolis. And uh, and Dead and Company, this is a Grateful Dead, were playing uh, up in Chicago. I think playing Soldier Field. And so it was just wild that all these guys are all in their 70s, you know, still going strong. And, and I distinctly remember, you know, I, was, I really wanted to go. And uh, we just needed to figure out something to do with the kids. We eventually did. Um, and my wife agreed to go. So my wife and I went to see John Fogarty and he was playing all Creedence, but a couple of his own songs. It was awesome. And so, you know, I thought, okay, this is cool. And, and, uh, my wife wasn't really into it, but she was there to kind of to support me, uh, so to speak. And, and then a couple years later, so this was last year, I saw that Fogarty was coming through with ZZ Top to play in, um, uh, used to be Deer Creek, but now it's whatever it is. And then it was Klipsch. And now it's like the Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center, whatever. And so I asked my kids if they'd want to go. And my daughter was like, nah. And my son was like, yes. My son was nine at the time, right? Huge Credence fan. Loves John Fogarty. And, uh, and so we go. And this was uh, my wife and I had gotten back from a trip to Europe a couple days before. And so I'm still kind of bush. But I'm like, man, we're doing it. So we got back on Monday. This is Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was in June or July. It was in uh, June, fairly early June. And uh, so my son and I get up there, and, and we get there early. You know, we're walking around. There's an opening act, and then ZZ Top's there. It's great. You know, a lot of people there. My son's kind of like, oh, whatever. You know, I'm like, oh, it's a pretty big band. But the moment Fogarty comes on and starts out, and I don't remember which, you know, it was one of the Creedence songs, you know, Down the Corner or something. And, and my son just looks over at me. He's like, Daddy, it was worth it. And... <laughs> I'm just watching him over there, just singing along with everything. And, uh, and so that was, it was just, it was awesome, right. To see this guy who, who again, so I, I tie that back to my own dad and then being able to take my son. So that was, that was really cool. And that's, that's definitely one of those moments again, where you can't, you can't recreate that, right. You can't make that up. So, um, so another show and here, here's just kind of funny, right. So I have gotten to know some people uh, through the through the blogging thing. There's a lot of Cubs fans out there, and I've, I've made some pretty cool connections. Had the opportunity to do a few things, and uh, and a guy I've, I've uh, you know become familiar with over the years is is Joel Cummins. He's a keyboard player for Humphreys McGee, and they're kind of a they're a jam band, right? They uh, they have this awesome laser light show that goes along and they, and they rock pretty good. Right. So they're, they're, they're an awesome, awesome live show. They're touring all over the place, have a ton of devoted fans. And, and I'd be lying if I told you I had followed them closely prior to, to getting to know Joel. But what was really neat is, is he's, uh, he's given me the opportunity when he comes through town and, um, you know, I've gotten to, gotten to go to see a couple of his shows. And, and so this is a couple of years ago, the Cubs were playing the Cardinals and, uh, and I think at the time that coast might've been up and the Cardinals came back on whatever, but it was kind of late notice, like a Saturday afternoon, I think. And, and I get a text, Hey, you know, we're in town. You want a couple of tickets? I was like, yeah, great. That'd be awesome. So I asked my son if he wants to go and cause I think he would enjoy it. And he's like, nah, that's cool. So I asked my daughter 
And uh, I said, you know, hey, we're going to get to go. We got some, you know, VIP tickets, backstage passes. She's like, yeah, I'll go. So she's getting ready. And so she says something to my son. Well, I had not informed him that it was, you know, kind of some higher end type tickets. So so now he's beside himself, right? So I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? And, uh, and, and the Cubs are in the middle of a comeback and they end up, you know, Chris Bryant flies around the bases. We made an awesome video of it that we put up on our Twitter account. It's getting a lot of feedback. And so I, I end up getting back in touch with Joel. I'm like, hey, dude, you know, I, I hate to do this. I hate to try to take advantage. Is there any way? So he ends up getting me a third ticket so, so my son can come along with us. And, uh, and we ended up having an awesome time, right? The, in my, one of my, one of my favorite memories of things, we're sitting out there and my kids are going like, daddy, what's that funny smell? The, the smoke here smells funny. And, uh, uh, and then they immediately told me that they were hungry for more pizza. So, um, but just, again, just had a really cool time. Just watching the show, checking it out. Got to go see Joel afterwards and, and get some pictures with him. And, and the kids still talk about that. So that was a good one. Which uh, which kind of leads me into the Up and Smoke concert, which if I had to rank like best overall concerts I've ever been to, this would be it simply for the lineup. Um, I've always been a big hip hop head and, and that's always been my, you know, my favorite genre, even though, like I said, and, and then, you know, it's like Credence, like Credence and Wu-Tang Clan, right? But uh, Up and Smoke, and I think this was in 2000, I believe. And, uh, and, and so it was, it was headlined. So it was Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, cause it was following, um, the release of chronic 2001. And, uh, so Snoop and Dre were headlining. And then prior to that was Eminem. And then prior to that was West side connection, which is ice cube. And prior to that was Warren G and Nate dog. And so it was just this all-star line, just a phenomenal concert all the way through and just the energy of it, just everything. So you're, you're talking about like all these guys at the top of their game and sort of see them all performing, uh, which actually speaking of, I'm going to see Snoop Dogg play at Four Winds Field in South Bend this July. So that's going to be fun. But, uh, but, but one of my favorites, which has like some of the best stories was the Hard Knock Life Tour in, I believe, 99. Um, that would have been, I think, because I, I believe it was the summer before my brother's senior year in high school. So I think it was 99 um, because he had to take the SAT the next morning. And, and and so I think that was during his junior year. But in any case, um, you know, we lived a couple hours north of Indianapolis. The show was in Indy. And my uncle, who worked for the Pacers at the time, was able to get us tickets to these concerts for, for free, right, unless he was paying for him and pass him on, but he, he got him as, as part of his, his work comp. And so we were able to, that's where we got hard knock life. That's how we got the up and smoke tickets. Uh, we went to see rough riders and cash money millionaires down there. But anyway, so this, this hard knock life. So we're going out, we're driving my parents' van. I'm driving. Uh, my best friend is in the, in the, uh, shotgun seat with me. And we've got, I think we got like six tickets. So it's like my, my brother and two of his buddies, maybe we had five tickets, two or three of his buddies. So there's like five of us in the car, right? And we're driving down to Indy. We're on I-65, we're heading south, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we, you know, nobody's even drinking. This is like before, the, the, you know, which is, which is kind of wild. Maybe we, maybe we should have been, it would have been more fun even. Well, I shouldn't have been, I was driving, but, uh, so we're going down there and, and as we're, I want to say we're south of Lafayette at this point, sort of maybe about 30, 45 minutes out. And, uh, this, this is this woman in the car next was just like, like kind of drifting over into our lane. I'm in the left lane, she's in the middle and drifting over. I'm like, Whoa, you know, I had to 
kind of um, brake to my left a little bit to avoid her, her bumping my car and, and trading paint a little bit, right? Like like a NASCAR race. And uh, I'm like, whoa, what the, you know? <laughs> and my, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, it's, it's just, it's just, this woman has uh, had, had a couple kids with her. Right? But my, my buddy just looks at me. And it's, like, I'll never forget this question. He just says, should I show her my hole? <laughs> and so everybody just dies laughing, like, yes. So he immediately just goes all pressed ham, drops his pants, ass cheeks, right to the window. <laughs> right there as we're driving. And I'm maintaining speed, so I'm right there in line with this woman. And she looks over and just gets a face full of ass and has to cover her daughter's eyes in the front seat. And I almost wrecked my car then because I was laughing so hard I was about to cry. And uh, so, you know, he pulls it back up, he gets situated again, and we go on our merry way. But it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And so it was just one of these, and if you'll pardon me for a second, yes, daughter, Okay, I will be up in a little bit. Well, I have just found out that my son is throwing up upstairs. So if you'll pardon me for a second, folks, I'm going to go ahead and pause this. I'm not even going to edit this out because you know what? This is how life works. And uh, we'll come right back to it here in a little bit after I take care of some vomiting. All right, now we're back. Here we go. So, uh, yeah, apologies there. Um, real life happens once in a while. And... I'm not even going to bother editing it out. So uh, my daughter came down, as as I'm sure you had just heard, and uh, informed me that my son was throwing up, which he actually was not. Uh, it appears that maybe it was just some indigestion. He is still in the bathroom. Uh, we'll find out. So um, I don't know if it was uh, he, he's been really snotty lately, so that'll kind of get in there. And uh, and he had a Portillo's hot dog earlier. So uh, maybe the, there goes that massive sponsorship deal I was banking on. But Anyway, so, yes, back to should I show her my hole, <laughs> which, oh boy, um, the rest of the concert, it would be hard to to live up to that, right? So, after we eventually uh, got over ourselves and, and moved on and, and drove past that whole mess, so eventually ended up getting down there, um, it got a, a little bit late, you know, and, uh, and, and came into Method Man and Red Man, that was the, the opening act. And uh, which is pretty awesome. You know, they had the, the stands behind there, the, the little thing behind them said America's most blunted. And uh, and they had this whole rig that would carry them out into the crowd. And, they, they you know, they were just uh, smoking blunts and having fun. And, and the, our seats were kind of off to the side of the stage. They weren't in the lower bowl, but the way the stage was set up, it would come out. And there was a wing that came really close to us. So like Method Man came out into the crowd. It's really close to us. Um, so then they, you know, they finish their set and then and then DMX comes out. Right. And uh, this is pretty awesome. Right. This is DMX. Like he was huge at the time. And uh, so he comes out and he he uh, he takes his shirt off and throws it out in the crowd. And he's got, a you know, the undershirt on and he takes that out and throws it in the crowd. And he hits my brother right in the chest and he grabbed it. I mean, just right in the chest. So we we're close enough that, you know, you could throw a shirt and somebody would catch it. Uh, this is like a, like any other event at a basketball game. Right. Like the T-shirt cannon, except he just threw it there. And he's like, that was for the ladies. And then N-word. And <laughs> we're all like, oh, DMX just talked to you. And and my brother was subsequently mauled 
by every woman around him trying to get a piece of DMX's undershirt. So it just ends up in shreds. Uh, my, my brother's buddy tries to get some and stuff it down his pants to hold on to it, which didn't work. Uh, and it was just completely gone by that point. But but it was, we were all just looking on in shock because like, oh my God. And to this day, you know, again, was, remember that time when DMX threw his shirt and you caught it? Which I thought was pretty cool, right? So, uh, so we ended up, we, uh, you know, after we left, it was pretty late and we still had to drive home, right? We stopped at Steak and Shake up at 71st Street on the way home. And then I, I think we got back around two, three in the morning. And actually, I remember the, 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 one of the things I distinctly remember, and it was, uh, I think it was somewhere between Indianapolis and Lafayette was that there was a guy in the left lane as we passed him reading a book while driving. He's the only person in the car, had a book open on his steering wheel, reading an actual book. Uh, right. Cause this would have been in, in like 99, 2000, somewhere around there, 99, I think. And, and so again, as we got my brother back in time to take his SAT the next morning, cause I think it was a Friday night, I think. And, um, and, and needless to say, he, he ended up enlisting in the Marine Corps. So, so the SAT didn't go very well. Uh, I, I think he did actually retake it. Um, but it's, it's still amazing to me that my parents let us get away with that, but, um, it was a, it was a great time. Right. So, um, so just, you know, again, it's, it's one of these things where I think, um, you can find fun in a lot of different ways. And, and actually speaking to that buddy who was in the front seat, uh, this is the same person who, who had sex in the back seat of my car while I was driving, uh, which is another story entirely and not at all concert related. So, uh, so we won't, we won't share that. And the good news is, I'm not really like sharing any secrets that anybody's going to know about because nobody's going to listen to this. So it really doesn't matter. Right. Uh, unless it blows up and I become famous and he gets pissed off at me because of that. Um, but I, I think like the statute of limitations on stuff like that is, is like maybe 10, 15 years at the most. And we're talking, Oh God, at this point, 22 years. So when it's more than half of your lifetime ago, it's okay to share things like that. I think so. You know, really interested in, in what I'm going to get into next. I, I really have no idea. Uh, a lot of this has turned into, I used to do these, uh, these periscopes on, on Twitter and, um, and this kind of turned into that. So, you know, ideally, uh, I would have maybe continued on, but we're already at the 38 minute mark. So I, I think that's, that's a good place to stop, right? Any, any time you've shared a story in which someone asked if they should show someone else their hole. And I think, regardless of, of which iteration of that we're, we're going with, it's a good place to kind of leave off. Uh, not to mention the fact that at some point I should probably go check on my son who, uh, who, who may or may not have his mouth on the toilet right now. I, I don't know. I had to instruct him otherwise and then, and then actually help him out with washing his hands. He's, he's only 10. After all, we, we never taught them how to wash their hands uh, when they were in single digit ages. We figured, you know, until you're really into those double digits, you shouldn't know better than to just um, you know, wipe your hands twice and then, and then that's it. So anyway, that's it for another edition of the deep like Leviathan podcast. I don't know if it was deep. I don't know if it was like, and I know it wasn't Leviathan. So we'll try to do better next time, which is a really easy goal to set because the bar is so low that again, I, I stepped over it the first time pretty easily. And now it's like still a half an inch off the ground. So I can still clear it pretty easily without trying. So, you know, we'll kind of see where we get with that. But thank you for joining me again on this uh, on this wild and weird and, and probably insanely stupid journey. And so I'm glad uh, that I was able to bother you for a little bit. Until next time, folks, we'll see you out there.